more recent times, I believe that yourself and Jim, Dara, went to Shannon Airport. Yes, Jim, I might bring you into this as well. Uh, last week, uh, before Christmas Eve, uh, or Christmas Day as well, myself and Jim travelled down to Shannon Airport. And uh, we spoke to a couple of the passengers arriving home for Christmas. Lovely. And we got to interview as well a head of operations at Shannon Airport, Pamela Brooks. And it was a great day, Jim, wasn't it? It was a great day. I mean, people coming off out through the into the arrivals hall and joy on their faces, people waiting <laughs> yeah. for them, and families. Eager, going. of course, yeah, to talk yeah. to them. <laughs> one one uh, granny there who was meeting her one-and-a-half-year-old grandson yes. for the first time. Yes. Ah, I've never seen him gosh. before. And we met a Scarif person as well, didn't we? We did indeed, yeah. we did, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, but I suppose where we're going with this is that um, back in April, I interviewed uh, Mary Considine, the CEO of Shannon Airport, and she was appointed CEO uh, in October of 2019 and, ha- and has had previous roles with the airport over the past couple of years as well before that but uh, we have a clip here and I'm pretty sure it's about um, the future of Shannon Airport so we'll we'll have a listen. The Shannon Airport uh, group welcomed the allocation of 4.6 million euros in government funding to the airport by Jack Chambers, Minister of State at the Department of Transport uh, a couple of months ago, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, that, that must have been um, welcoming news for you. Absolutely, and and that was again a measure that was introduced at the time um, of COVID because the passenger numbers had fallen below a million because of the restrictions. We were able to avail of temporary admission to the regional airports programme, and we've seen the value of that funding and what we've been able to do with it. So it was one of the things as an airport group that we're hoping that, that government would consider including Shannon Airport in that permanently. Um, as is allowed for under EU state aid rules. So absolutely, as you said, Dara, that was really beneficial to us. And it allows us, uh, it parts from some of our capital programme. And that uh, capital programme is very important to ensure the longevity of the asset we're investing, not only for today, but in the future of the airport. So yes. very welcome. And um, come here, recently I uh, came across an article in a local newspaper and uh, the headline was, U.S. fares have been up to €1,000 more expensive at Shannon Airport than Dublin Airport. Um, According to uh, one uh, councillor, he said a person who flies out of Shannon around eight times a year got quoted fares at Dublin for €250 less. So what, what would be the reason for this, Mary? Well, on any given day, you have a fluctuation in fares. So it all goes back to demand. So first and foremost, the fares are set by the airlines. And Shannon Airport is very competitive for the airlines to use, but they're going to, they yield manage. So on any given day, you might find a fare in Shannon dearer than Dublin, but it could be vice versa tomorrow. So it depends when you're booking, what the demand is for that flight and what the availability is left on it. So it's very hard to just pick random fares. You need to look at the trends over a longer term. Yes. Um, so, come here. How, how do, I suppose, looking into the future, how do we uh, make Shannon Airport an attractive route to fly in and out of Ireland and secure the flights that are already there? Well, I suppose I'd say it's already a really attractive airport. We have very significant infrastructure in place with the longest runway in Ireland, one of the longest in Europe. Uh, we have significant terminal capacity. We're not constrained. We have no noise curfews. Uh, we operate 24-7, 365 days a year. So huge opportunity already there. 
Um, you've seen already the, the uplift in services and the additional demand for those services. But it all goes back to, will an airline make money or not? And the only way they will make money is if there is constant demand for services. So you need the people of the region to support the airport. And secondly, you need to be stimulating further economic activity so we have more people living and working here. The more people we have living and working here, the more people using the airport. And that is how you ensure that routes are successful longer term. So I think we all have a role to play. Um, But we're very, very fortunate in this region to have an international airport, to have on our doorstep daily connectivity into the US, the UK and Europe. And I think there's a lot of regions around Europe that would be really uh, jumping up and down to have what we have. So it's about really valuing, appreciating what we have and supporting it. My name is John O'Reilly and my father worked the fields in the hills of Old Killarney where I helped him turn the wheels. My arms grew hard as iron for a boy of 17 And I used my fist for gambling in those wet Killarney streets Well, the ship left for America and I took my pack aboard Said goodbye to my dear Ireland, said a prayer to my dear Lord But I fought those sorry guineas in the kitchen they called hell And I fought them for their dollars and those guineas paid me well
Uh, hello again, and uh, just to remind you of the Scarif Bay Community Radio WhatsApp number, it is 089-258-2647, brought to you by me, Matthew Jordan-Allen, Darren Amy, and Jennifer. So now, one of the things that we just wanted to say, thank you very much, uh, Matthew, is um, that that was Mike Denver. I am... Um, can't remember the name of the song. I think uh, the day I return, but he ba- yesterday of my yes. Yeah. Um, but we had a great time at the Tulla Music Festival, the first one that was on in July uh, this year, and we got to actually interview um, Mike Denver. And I have to say, lovely, lovely man, and it was very giving of his time. And it we was, got to watch him yeah. play afterwards. So yeah. we thought we'd like to pay a little bit of homage by playing one of his songs. So we are actually going to move over to. Patricia Ann again. And um, Patricia Ann, you had another person that you interviewed for you that was one of your highlights for this year. Yeah, actually, um, an unusual uh, person and an unusual calling, if you like, and that was Bree O'Donoghue, who is a spiritual healer and a medium. And she's based, I think, just outside of this diamond. Um, and she talked to us about her work, specifically with children because she had a very unhappy experience of education herself. Mm. Uh, she talks about this at an earlier stage in the interview, where she was not diagnosed with dyslexia. And so she found education really difficult because, of course, at that time, dyslexia was a condition that wasn't known. Yeah. There were no supports in place for people and so on. So she overcame that, and she discovered later in life that she had a gift as a healer and as a medium very spiritual person and very interesting to talk to and very down to earth. So we'll hear a little bit, I think, now from the interview that we did with her. My co-host, Tom Hanley, features in the interview. Tom couldn't be with us today, but we hear his voice anyway yeah, in this interview. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, it's interesting to hear her talking about uh, sensitivity in children and how it needs to be found, diagnosed and dealt with, people can be supported. And she talks about the tools for that later on in the interview. So here it is. It's like first we need to understand what's going on. Okay, they're sensitive, which means they're sensing their environment. A lot of the children who are sensitive will also be struggling with fight or flight because they're in constant anxiety. And so that piece needs to be understood as well. And then there's tools on how to help them or how to target at which times of the day to help them to switch that off. There's little meditations in there. I know the girls were talking earlier about the benefits of meditation. So there's meditation specifically to help with fight or flight. Then there's tools for grounding and here we run into difficulty again with the sensitive child because they tend to be people pleasers. They're aware of the needs of the other children in their group and so they try to make those children happy. So often they don't know what their own things are, they don't understand their own grounding tools and so if their little friend wants to play hop, they'll hop with that child or if their other child wants to play football, they'll play football with that child. So often we need to actually bring it down to what does that actual child and get them to use the words I and get them to work out what their needs are. Um, Then I have included um, grounding skills. Separately I've included um, like calming techniques. So again, if we go back to the classroom, if a little one falls and is distressed, they're going to need help. But the sensitive child who is in that vicinity will have gone into the distress of the child who's just got hurt. And they also need help. But often, with a lack of understanding, they're seen as a drama queen, or they're just seeking attention. And it's, and then so they often get criticised. And so now they have the distress of the child that fell. They have their own distress. 
and they're being criticised. So this is like layering on another layer of emotional stuff that they're now completely overwhelmed with. So there's little tools and techniques in there for different situations. Um, some of them are breathing techniques, but where I've adapted them to help them to ground and come in. So one that I put in there is where they take three breaths. The first one, on the, as they breathe in, they say the word me. The second time they breathe in, they say myself. And the third time they take a breath, they say I. So me, myself, and I. But it really is just trying to get them to regulate, but also to come in and just be aware of their own bodies. I think that could apply to a lot of adults, the children. But I think so. Yeah. And a lot of people that have read the book, the adults have said, oh my God, Brie, this is my childhood and I'm using your tools. So, um, yeah. And, but I think if we can get to these children, that instead of them withdrawing from the world, yeah, like our ladies beside us, that... Um, that then they get to be the and achieve their full potential. Mel, again, you're listening. Absolutely. I think every word you're saying, Reid, is true because yeah. um, in the life coaching and that I would have done with people, a lot of their fears come from when they were children before the age of seven. I'd just like to mention for our listeners that Reid's website is psychiccode.ie and her book, the book that she referred to there, is called The Sensitive Child. And it's available in all formats, including ebooks. So I'm just recommending that so that you can follow up if any of the interview was relevant to what's going on in your life. So 